seat. Man, today is going to be an amazing day because it is week five, the fifth and the final week in our series that we are calling Multiply, but it's so much more than just a series. It's about vision. It's about direction. It's about where God is leading us together as a church. And over the past several weeks, we've been walking through 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, learning about what happens when a church understands radical generosity, what they can do, what that they can accomplish, and what God can do, not only in the hearts of the people who call that church home, but in the community and all around the world. If you are a guest, I want to say you have picked the perfect week to come and to visit Redemption because you're going to get to see how much the people of this church not only love their church, not only love the Lord, but how much they love you as today is our Commitment Sunday. Who's excited for Commitment Sunday? You're excited? You're excited? I'm excited. Over the past several weeks, we have been sharing with you the direction and the vision in which God is, is leading our church. And so there's a, a couple of things that we've been believing and praying for. And, and the first is this. I don't know if you know this or not, but we're at three services and it's getting a little cramped in here. And so we can't just keep adding services. Well, we don't want to just do that. And so, because we wanna keep growing and meeting new people and, and seeing others experience life change through Jesus, we have actually purchased 21,000 square feet here in the heart of downtown. And in the next year or two, we are going to have a brand new renovated and ready to move in sanctuary with 600 seats. So that way we can help more people meet Jesus. Isn't that amazing? But you know, it's so much more than just that. I mean, it's the, the current ministries that we offer here. It's a kids ministry, it's our youth ministries. I mean, we're gonna hand this room off to Redemption Kids and over a hundred kids are gonna be learning about Jesus, having fun and growing in their faith as well. It's a vision to where we want to be able to, to start a special needs ministry here in Beaumont for families who are not able to attend church, but now they will be because our church is gonna not only see that need, but be able to meet that need in our community as well. But there's more, much more, absolutely, because we serve a God who always does far more than we could ask, think, or imagine. We have been given a new building in Port Natchez, and we're gonna be launching Redemption Mid-County within the next two years. Isn't that amazing? We're gonna not be one church, but two churches. It's incredible to see what God is doing. And then on top of that, because of the overflowing generosity of the people of our church. We always believe that we can't ask people to do what we're not willing to do ourselves. And so as a church, we have committed $160,000 to our local and global missions partners. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing what we can accomplish when, when a church gets this idea of generosity? And, and here's what I want you to know, is that even though the Multiply series is ending, the multiply season is just beginning. Listen, multiply is so much more than just another series. No, multiply for us, it is a season. It is the next two years that is going to transform the next 10 years of our church. It's so much more than just a series. I don't want anyone here to think, oh, that was a nice series. What's pastor preaching next? Well, we're gonna start Second Peter next week in a series called Truth and Lies, learning 
about 2 Peter, but that's another series. This is not just another series for us. No, this is a season that is gonna mark us as a church forever. It is a season of generosity. It is a season of joy. It is a season of faith. My friends, it is a season of miracles. It is a season of healings. It is a season of breakthrough. It is a season of testimonies. It is a season of prodigal sons and daughters who are coming back to a living and vibrant faith. It is a season of the prayers that you have prayed. They are going to be answered on the other side. Listen, Multiply is so much more than just another series. No, my friends, for us at Redemption, it is a season that is gonna mark us and transform us and change this church forever. Do you believe that? It's so much more than just another series, my friends. This is a season. And so in your seat, there is a a commitment card. And this commitment card that you have, I want to give you permission to pray over it during the sermon and to, to look over it. Because many of you, you've already been praying about what your commitment is going to be today. And you're in the house today because you've come ready to be able to make that commitment. And we're going to give you an opportunity by opening the altars at the end of the service. And we're all, as a church, going to take a step of faith. We're going to take a step of obedience. We're going we're to take a step in moving forward with what God has called us to do. And we're all going to step forward. And there is an altar here. And we're going to place that commitment card right here in the altar. And I'm going to give you permission at the end of the service. But a few weeks ago, we had our advanced commitment night. It's a night of worship where all the leaders of the church, they made their commitments and those who are ready early, they made their commitments. And I just wanna say on that night, we had 75 families go ahead and make their commitments. That's amazing. And out of that 75, 13 families have made a decision to give for the very first time ever. We honor that. Let's give those guys a round of applause for the faith that they have stepped out in. And I believe there's many more who are gonna make that same commitment today. Well, as we close out this series and enter into this season, I want you to open up with your Bibles to me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. It's the last thing that Paul is going to say on the subject as he is writing to the Corinthians. And my sermon title today is called, What Happens When You Give? Here's what he says, starting in verse 6. He writes this, the point is this. What is the whole point? Well, he says, here you go. Here's the points. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must decide in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. I've said it before, God wants you to be cheerful when you give. One pastor, he says it like this, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take it from a grump too, amen? He says this, he goes, so that God will make all grace abound to you so that you have all sufficiency in all things at all times that you may abound in every good work. I wanna say that Redemption Church is a good work, that God is doing a good work here in the heart of downtown Beaumont that we have 12 people waiting to be baptized right now. Why? Because this is a good work. This is, this is a good work. Every time somebody walks through these doors for the first time or the first time in a long time and they hear the message of life changed through Jesus, that is a good work. A hundred plus kids and redemption kids right now. My friends, that is a good work. The launching of redemption youth, that is a good work. When I think about the Hope Women's Clinic and how all of those women during Christ 
crisis pregnancies are now resourced and encouraged during a difficult season. That is good work that our church is doing. When I think about our missionaries with full budgets and fertile fields, my friends, that is a good work. And God is doing this good work in our church. And we get the opportunity through our generosity to partner with God in what he is doing. He will make all grace abound to you so that way you can be generous towards every good work. God's doing a good work in our church. Amen. Amen. I love seeing what God is doing. And he goes on and he says, as it is written, he has freely distributed. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will multiply. There's our word. That's where we get the series from. He will multiply your seed for sowing and increase your harvest of righteousness. Who gives the seed for sowing? Okay, God does. It doesn't come from your job. It doesn't come from your inheritance. It doesn't come from your intellect or your education. It doesn't come from the things of this world. No, who supplies the seed for sowing? God supplies the seed and he is the one who provides and he is the one who will meet our needs as a church. God supplies the seed, why? So that way he can multiply and increase in your life. What is he gonna increase? The harvest of righteousness that in that there is gonna be a salvation, a sanctification. There will be a perseverance inside of you. Your faith will grow. Your hope will grow. Your heart will grow. Your love for God and others will grow. It is a harvest of righteousness personally and then also corporately. That on the other side of multiply, my friends, there is a harvest that is waiting. Jesus said, pray eagerly to the Lord of the harvest. Why? For the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. When we labor with God through generosity, we are bringing a harvest of souls and salvations and lost people and healing and deliverance. My friends, the harvest is waiting. God is moving and we get to be a part of it. The harvest of righteousness. I didn't even start preaching yet and I'm already preaching. Come on, somebody. You will be enriched in every way. God makes you rich. Yay. In every way. Why? So you can be generous in every occasion. I've said this in the series and I want to say it right now is listen, God does not raise our standard of living. He wants to raise our standard of giving. That when God blesses us, the blessings are not to be a, con a container in our lives, but a conduit through our lives. That God's grace flows to us, therefore God's grace flows through us for the goodness of God and for the good of those around us. That God will enrich you in every single way. Why? So that you might be generous in every single way. We keep going. Which through us produces a thanksgiving to God for the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is overflowing with thanksgiving to God by their approval of this service. They will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ Jesus and the generosity of your contribution for them and for the others while they long for you and they pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon your life. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. Now, I want to take a moment before we move further and I want to remind us what our main objective is behind multiply. Listen, multiply is not about a building. Okay, the building is the byproduct of multiply. Does anybody remember what the primary goal of multiply is? 
Somebody's been paying attention. Thank you, my man. 100% engagement. It's about everyone who calls redemption home. If you say, this is my church, what we're asking for is that you would prayerfully partner with us through joyful, regular, and sacrificial giving to be able to help meet this need. It's about us all going all in together. Everybody plays a part. Some can give more, some can give less, but everybody has a role to play and to participate in this move of God. It's about 100% engagement. And we see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 5, wherever Paul was introducing us to the model of giving by the Macedonians. And here's what he says about them. He says, they gave not as we expected. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us, the church. It's about giving first to the Lord, giving God your heart, giving God your fears, giving God your hope, giving God your dreams. It's about surrendering to the Lord. It's about putting God first in your life, not only in your family, but also in your finances. It's about not only giving him your sin, but it's also you giving him yourself. It's about putting God first in everything that we do. And if we learn to put God first, the rest is gonna take care of itself. Our first and primary goal is 100% engagement. Our secondary goal is 3 million in generosity. You say, well, Byron, is that even possible? Well, I'll tell you what, if we, are, if we all put God first, it is not only possible, it is providential. Here's what I want you to know. If we are successful in the first goal, then we will exceed the second goal. Right? If, if, if we succeed in our first goal by putting God first, then God's going to take care of the rest. Because when we honor God, God honors us. When we bless God, God blesses us. When we do what only we can do, that's when God steps in and does what only God can do. And if we succeed by being faithful in our first goal, then God will be faithful and he will exceed the second goal. And so it's about 100% engagement, first and foremost. But Paul picks up on this theme yet again. And he, he, he says a very similar and curious statement right here in verses 13. He says, by their approval of the service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for others. What does he mean by generosity is a submission to Christ? Did you know that? It is the submission of your confession to Christ. What is he saying? He's saying, give to God first. Submit and surrender your will to the will of God. Give God your heart. It's about God first. And then when we live a heart of submission, then we will overflow with a life of generosity. When we live a life of submission, we will overflow with a life that is marked by sacrifice. I've said it before and I've said it again. If somebody says, Byron, I'll give you $3 million. You need $3 million? I'll cut you a check for $3 million. You know what I would tell them? I would say, thank you very much. I would love to take you to Chili's after church. Um, <laughs> and you're by. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I would say, drop it in the box, but we're still going to do multiply. Because it's, it's not about the money. It's about the heart. It's about teaching people in our church the joy of generosity. It's, a, it's about showing them the, the, the life-changing ability that happens when, when people surrender everything to the Lord. 
And they begin to trust him in ways that they had never trusted him before. It's about all of us going on a journey towards being generous. And so today I have a message that I wanna teach you on what happens when we give. In my years of pastoring, I've discovered that there's about five reasons that, that people, they give. The, the first reason, if you're taking notes, write it down. Some people give out of obedience. They say, well, God says it, I believe it, that settles it. God says to trust him, and so I trust him. And so every single paycheck, I write my tithe check. And before it goes out, it goes up because God said it. That's what I do. I give out of obedience. Some people, they, they give towards causes. Like they're not consistent givers, but they're cause-oriented givers. Like give me a project, give me a goal, give me something to get excited about, and I'm gonna make a commitment towards that because they're, they're cause-oriented givers. Some people, they give due to discipline. They see generosity in the same way that others see prayer or Bible reading, fasting, and it's a way in which they are to grow in their faith because to them, it's a, it's a discipline. And some give out of gratitude. They're like, I'm just so grateful for what God has done in my life. How could I not give back? Like, I'm so inspired and I want everyone else to experience in their life what God has done in my life. And so I love to give and it's a sign of gratitude. And then there's others, they give to be blessed. Now, when I simply say they give to be blessed, there's typically two reactions. Some people are gonna respond and they're gonna be like, amen, hallelujah, preach it, pastor. I know that because I've experienced that in my life. There is a blessing whenever we respond to God through giving. And then there's another group in the room where you get a little nervous when I say that because you say, oh, oh pastor, that sounds dangerously close to prosperity theology. That you're saying that we give and then there's a, a blessing we give to be blessed. Isn't that prosperity theology? Listen, prosperity theology is a false teaching that some churches have adopted. And what they say is that God wants you to be rich. And if you're not rich, it's because you're not doing something right. Because God blesses us when we're rich. And God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, successful, powerful. God wants you to be rich. Okay, we don't believe that here at Redemption. And so we reject prosperity theology but we also need to be careful because prosperity theology has a twin sister named poverty theology. Yeah. And poverty theology would say, no, God loves you when you're poor and God loves the poor and the poorer you are, the more loved by God you are. And so God wants everybody to be poor. Listen, God doesn't care if you're rich and God doesn't care if you're poor. What God cares about is whether or not you are generous. Right. See, we don't need to have a prosperity theology but we also don't wanna have a poverty theology. Here's what we wanna have. We wanna have a proper theology. And in proper theology, the Bible is clear that there is a blessing that is attached to your giving. Here's a simple way to say it. When we give, God gives back. Okay, when we give, God gives back. As we begin to honor the Lord, the Lord will honor us. As we steward well, God gives us more to steward. When we trust God, God trusts us with what he has entrusted to us. As we seek him, we will find him. And when we bless him, he blesses us. When we give to God, God, he does give back. Look at verse six, it says this. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly reaps sparingly, but the one who sows bountifully he reaps bountifully. Therefore, God loves a cheerful giver. That word bountifully in the Greek is the word eulogia. Okay, eulogia is the word where we get eulogy from. At the end of somebody's life, what do we do? Okay, we, we speak favorably of them. What do we do? At the end of their life, we bless them. We bless them. That word eulogia actually means blessing. 
The only other time it's used in the New Testament is whenever Jesus called the little children and sat them in his lap and it says he laid hands on them and he eulogied them. What does he do? He blessed them. See, there is a blessing that is attached to your giving. When we give generously, we receive generously. When we give to God, God gives back to us. But you know what? We're a Bible teaching church here at Redemption. And I know some of you, you're still not yet convinced. So what I wanna do is I wanna give you some Bible verses to be able to back it up. So here's what we see, Luke 6, 36. Jesus, the words of Jesus. What does he say? Give and will be given unto you. That's the words of Jesus. Give and it will be given unto you. Press down, shake it together, running over with the measure you use will be measured unto you. Give and it will be given unto you. But there's more. Proverbs says, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of your produce and your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. What does that give? And God will give back. Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Again, Proverbs eleven twenty four. one gives freely yet grows all the richer and withholds, one withholds what he should give and he suffers want. See, Paul and Proverbs have the same theology. You reap what you sow. The one who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Malachi says, bring the tithe into the storehouse and God will pour down a blessing until there is no more need. Deuteronomy 6, 17, every man shall give as he is able according to the blessings of the Lord that he has given to you. And now there's gonna be some people in the room, they're gonna say, well, yeah, but, but Jesus says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive, pastor. And I would say, yes, it is. You know why? Because giving is the blessing. The ability to give is the blessing. There is a blessing that is attached to your giving and the act of giving enables the blessings of God on your life. Listen, generosity is the gift that keeps on giving. The more you give, the more God gives back to you. And so what I want to do is take just a few moments. I want to give you three things according to this text that Paul says happens when we give. The, the first thing is this. When you give, your faith will be multiplied. Look what he says in verse six. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully, reaps bountifully. Each one must decide in his heart what he is going to give. Listen, you decide what you get. Because Paul's clear, you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. You get to decide what you, what you give, which also means you get to decide what you receive. What Paul's talking about here is something known as the law of the harvest. It's a principle that is found all throughout the universe. It's, it's the law of the harvest. It's a, something that God has designed within the fabric of all of creation. And here's what it is. You get out of it what you put into it. How many farmers do we have in the room? Any farmers in here? Any farmers? Yeah, I didn't think so, right? <laughs> How many of y'all like going to HEB in the produce section? There we go. All right, all right. How many of y'all like going to farmer's markets, right? So here's what, here's what we know. is a, a farmer, in order to be able to reap a crop, what does he have to do? He has to sow a seed. And if he doesn't sow a seed, he will not reap a crop. It's pretty simple, it's pretty straightforward, but it's applied here to spiritual principles as well. And, and we know this in every other area of our lives. Like Proverbs says, if you want a friend, you need to be a friend. You're not gonna get a lot of friends by treating people like, never mind. Um, Jesus says, judge not lest you shall be. What is that? That's the law of sowing and reaping. And then Paul takes that same principle and he applies it to the area of finances. 
that you reap what it is that you sow. But even more than just a principle, there's several others that are involved with it. So let me give you four principles of the law of the harvest. The first one is this, is you only reap if you sow, right? If you don't sow, you won't reap. You can't expect it. We live in an entitlement society where people think that they're just owed things. You're not owed anything. The only thing you're owed is what you sow. And if you don't sow it, you ain't owed nothing, right? So you can just kind of mooch off of everybody else's harvest or you could actually get busy planting your own, right? You only reap if you sow. And if you're reaping from other people sowing, you're stealing. You only reap if you sow. The second thing is you reap what you sow, right? So whenever you, a farmer goes out and he sows cauliflower, right? He, he's not worried, am I gonna get a cantaloupe, right? If you sow watermelon seeds, you're not gonna get alfalfa sprouts. No, what are you gonna get? You're gonna get watermelon or are you gonna get cauliflower because you reap what you sow. And so we apply this to other biblical principles, so if you go home and you start yelling towards your spouse, guess what? You're gonna get yelling back. If, you're, if you show favoritism towards your kids, don't be surprised when they grow up and leave your house. Why? Because you reap what you sow. And if you sow those seeds into the hearts of your spouse or your children, then you're gonna reap divorce or abandonment because you reap what you sow. You treat other people good, people are gonna treat you nice, okay? This is the law of sowing and reaping. We understand it in every other area and Paul applies it to the area of finances. What's the theme of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9? He's talking about money and he takes this principle and he applies it to money, which means if it's true in every other area, we can also assume that it's true in this area as well, that you reap if you sow, you reap what you sow, Number three, you reap after you sow. Some people think, oh, sow to seed, therefore God must immediately meet that need. Nope, not true. Sometimes it takes five years for a harvest. But you only reap after you sow. I meet people all the time and they're like, you know, I, I made my multiply commitment. And some people, what they're gonna see is they're gonna see instant. Like a person I talked to today, they, they wrote their multiply commitment at the advanced commitment. They had to write a new one today because they got a promotion the very next week and they have to adjust their number. Other people, that's not the response that they get. Results will vary, but God is faithful. And, and there's some people, you're gonna make this commitment and it's gonna be a year, two years, five years later, God begins to answer those prayers. It takes time. But listen, God is working in the waiting. It takes time and patience, and perseverance, hard work, determination, dedication, but you only reap after you sow. And then number four, you reap more than you sow. He's using the illustration of a, of a kernel, right? So I actually have right here a, a, a kernel of corn. This one little kernel on its own is not gonna accomplish much, right? But one kernel planted is going to yield a stock that has three corn, and on that corn, there's 800 additional kernels. So when you look at one kernel can produce 2,400 additional kernels. That is multiplication. Why? Because you get more than what you planted. This is the, the law of, of sowing and reaping. But let me give you an illustration to help you be able to understand. If I can get my assistant to come up here on the stage. Hey, let's give it up for, come on, give it up for her, everybody. 
right, I'm going to need you to, to help me with this. So this is your seed. This seed represents your generosity, okay? So hold this out. Now, God is the one who supplies the seed. So every single one of us, we get a seed. We get a seed. Now, we all have a choice. Do you want to sow the seed or do you want to hold on to the seed? Because Paul says, the one who sows sparingly reaps sparingly, but the one who sows bountifully reaps bountifully. And so let's say she has her seed and what God wants to do is God wants to bless you, but you don't allow him to because you're holding on to what he's already given to you. And so every time you get a paycheck, every time, keep your hand close, every time you get a paycheck, every time you get a promotion, every time you find a buy one, get one deal, uh, <laughs> Every time you hear a sermon on giving, every time your, your, your daughter smiles at you, every single time what God's doing is this, is God's trying to pour out blessings, but he can't because he can't bless what's in your hand unless it's in his hand. Okay, so you're, you're blocking the blessings of, of God on your life because you are sowing sparingly, you reap sparingly. But after multiply, God has done a work in your life and your heart. And so you're gonna open up your hand and you're gonna be able to sow the seed. So sow your seed. There we go. And so as you sow, now you're open for God to give more. And then who sows generously, keeps sowing, is going to give generously. And God's going to keep saying, well, keep, gen keep, keep, keep sowing, keep sowing. And, and God's going to continue to say, oh, there's a person I can begin to pour blessings out on. And over the course of your lifetime, God is going to continue to bestow his bountiful blessings upon you. But here's what we read, that Jesus says, give and it will be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together and running over because we serve a God whose measure is bigger than ours. And God, he will actually meet our need. No, he will multiply and he will increase because this is the God we serve. God is a generous God. There is no one more generous than who God is. And so over the course of your lifetime, the blessings of God are without measure because he is abundant and far more good than we ask or imagine how great God can be. Listen, this is why we always say, you can't outgive God. God will never owe a man anything. That God is the most generous. God is the most good. God is the, 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 the greatest giver there's ever been. No one can give like God. And when God sees his church living a generous life, then God will pour out those blessings. The one who gives generously also reaps generously. Why? Because you can't outgive God. God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, give it up. Give it up for Jenny. Thank you so much, Jenny. It increases our, our faith to give. I, I was talking with a, a man at our advanced commitment night, and he said, Byron, whenever you first met with me about multiply, I'll be honest with you, I was, I was angry at you. He said another word, but I can't say that in the pulpit. Um, and, and I said, oh, I'm sorry. He said, no, but I realized this is I was actually angry at God. See, he told me a story that his daughter was born premature and she had to spend weeks, maybe months, I don't remember, in the NICU. And then as she got a little older, they discovered that she was blind in one of her eyes. And she said, he said, I couldn't trust God with my family anymore. Because he said, God, you did this. And he became bitter and angry and he actually stopped going to church for several years because he was angry at God. He's been coming to redemption now for about two years. And Multiply showed him that he wasn't angry at the church. He was angry at God. And God spoke to him as him and his wife were praying over their commitment. And he said, if you won't trust me with your family, would you begin rebuilding your trust with me around your finances? 
And so multiply is teaching him to trust God again. Like he's never put faith in God before. He's rebuilding the faith that he had in God through multiply. God says, will you trust me in this area? What is that? That's faith. When you take that step of generosity, what God is gonna do is God is gonna begin to increase, to multiply the faith that you have. It takes faith to give. It takes faith to put God first. The second thing we see is that your grace will be multiplied. Look what he says. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, grace may abound in every good work as it is written. He has distributed freely, given to the poor, his righteousness endures. He who supplies the seed for the sower and the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing, increase your harvest of righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you might be generous in every occasion which will produce a thanksgiving to God. Now, one thing you need to remember as we're walking through 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is that Paul is taking up an offering, which means he is talking about money. But what's fascinating is Paul never uses the word money once. He always refers to money as grace. Why? Because it's a gift. As Christians, we understand something is that everything that belongs to us ultimately belongs to him. And that he is the owner and we are the managers and everything we own is on loan. Second Corinthians gives us an entirely upside down view of what money is. He says it is grace. And he says that God is able to make all grace abound to you because Paul understands what I want you to understand is that generosity is never about what's in your wallet. It's always about what's in your heart. It's never about what you give, but why you give. It's it's not the size, but it's the sacrifice. It's not the amount, it's the attitude. And generosity is not about your income, it's about your outlook on life. See, a generous person has an outlook that says, everything I have is a gift that God has already given to me. He has already blessed me, therefore I get to be a blessing back to others. When you have a mindset of generosity, grace will be multiplied because you'll understand it's all grace, my friends. Like your family is grace, your kids are grace, your job is grace, your income is grace. Like this church is God's grace on your life. The Bible in your hands is God's grace on your life. This Spirit of God in your chest is God's grace upon your life. The salvation he's given you is grace that is upon your life. The breath in your lungs is grace. And you wake up in the morning, you're like, God's grace is so good. It changes your perspective when you stop thinking about money and you start thinking about your hearts and what God is doing inside of you. Listen, generosity is not about your income. If you only think generosity is about your income, you'll be focused on what you don't have instead of focusing on what God's given you. Amen. You'll focus on your wants instead of realizing he's the one who met your needs. Yeah. If you think generosity is about what you don't have, you'll miss out on the grace you've already been given. Yeah, right. Generosity is not about your income. It's about your outlook. It's about who you believe God actually is. Is he your provider or are you? Because if you are your provider, you will never have enough. But if God is your provider, you will never go without. It's a total transformation on the way that you see the world. Let me give you a story that's gonna help you understand this. 
my name is Clint McClinchek, and this is my wife, Deborah. Debbie McClinchek. Um, we started coming to Redemption um, five years ago uh, when it was still downtown at the gig. Um, I was looking for a church. I had seen it pop up on Facebook, and um, my kids were getting older. They were in high school. They were losing interest in the church we were going to and I wanted to come visit and see if I can keep them in a younger, youthful church and just, I just didn't want them to lose focus and lose their sight, you know, on God. So we came to visit um, and we come from Assemblies of God Church. So we were dressed Pentecostal <laughs> wardrobe. And Yeah, I remember the first uh, time that I came the, the things I noticed the most was, uh, number one, I was overdressed. <laughs> um, I was the oldest person there. <laughs> so, but, uh, and it was at a bar. So it was, like, it was a whole new experience. God always shows up. And, and, the, and it, the joy and the, and, the, and the happiness that I've received by giving and being available to help, whether it be in time or financially or whatever, it feels so good. And, but what's amazing for me as I've walked through this journey is God always shows up more than I could ever do or give or anything. It just always comes back. And I never really know how, and I don't really worry about how or if. I just know from experience. It's just always like, wow, I didn't even see that coming. Well, you know, must have done something right. I must have been listening, and not on always, but, but sometimes I feel like maybe I've listened well enough because God just did something for me and I just did not even see it coming. I've learned um, you can't outgive God, so, you know, He's blessed, and th there's so many ways that we can't even count. I mean, just. Um, what are you driving? I'm driving a free vehicle, um, it only cost me gas. So um, that's, that was a blessing. Sharing, inviting, you know, that one extra person, you're, you've already multiplied the kingdom. So. Seeing me 10 years ago and seeing me as two different people, really, you know, for those that knew. But also 10 years of showing my, you know, or so of showing my family and my children, you know, this is, this is what you do. And, um, and seeing those seeds start to grow. The word that came to me a week or so ago is abide, meaning wait on the Lord. And um, just just abide, man, just wait on the Lord because He's going to show up and it's going to be nice. And so. that was the main reason we came to the church was because I was coming by myself a lot of the times. And um, when we were renovating this building and they handed out the Sharpies to everybody and, you know, go put a scripture on the, on the beams and the drywall and it took me back. I was like, well, I don't know what to write. And then I just looked at the door and I said, I want my family to come through those doors. And, and they'll have. And she would not quit harping on me to come to this church. No, it wasn't me. <laughs> she drug me in here scratching and kicking, <laughs> but I'm glad she did. Isn't that amazing? Listen, this is why I said you reap more than you sow. Because for them, generosity is not about what they gave. It's about what God gave back to them.
their daughters, a, a church, the faith of their family, reconciled, transformed their lives. God has given more to us than we could ever give back to him. My friends, I want you to think about Clint's story and, and, and what, what God has done in his life and what God wants to do in your life. And I, I just want you to know that it's true, that it's true, that it's true, is that we are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed by God. Why? To be a blessing, to be able to help meet the needs of those who are around us. God, in our generosity, wants to increase our faith. God, he wants to multiply grace. And lastly, number three, is that God wants to multiply our joy. Look how he closes it. He, he says it like this. He says, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's overflowing with many thanksgiving to God. Not only are you meeting a need, but there is an overflow of thanksgiving that happens when we step out by their approval of this service, that they will glorify God because of your submission. There's that word again, because of the submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for others while they long for you, they pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Verse 15, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. Look down at that last word. What's the last word there? It says gift, but it doesn't have a period. No, because a period would say, oh, gift, right? No, 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 no. What does it have instead? An exclamation point. You know why? Because it's exciting to give. It's amazing to give. It's a privilege to give. It's awesome to give. Like he could have ended it with the period and says, you have to give. That's not what he says. He ends it with an exclamation point because he's excited when he gives. He's passionate about giving. And God wants for you to understand biblical generosity is joyful generosity. When you give, God will multiply the joy that is in your heart because when you give, it produces thanksgiving and life change in other people's lives. Like when I think about my why behind multiply, I'm just thinking about those, that, that new sanctuary that is just gonna be filled with the presence of God. I think about first Wednesdays with 600 people on their knees and altars contending for revival and interceding for others. I think about the healings, the miracles, the testimonies, the breakthroughs. I, when I give, I think about a baptism tank that never runs dry. When I give, I think about redemption kids. I think about the future of our church. I think about redemption youth. When I give, I think about what God is going to do in the next generation. When I give, I just, I think about all the deliverance that's happening in our freedom ministries during the summer and people who are being set free and walking in deliverance and total restoration of their lives. I think about when I give people like walking through these doors who have been so far from the church, finding hope Again, I think about salvations and souls. And when I think about it, I get excited about what God is doing. And I realize that generosity is a privilege. It is a privilege to get to be a part. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. Giving is the gift. It's a gift to give. It's a blessing to give. It's a privilege to give. And he says it's overflowing in Thanksgiving because there are people who are praying for you. I met with a woman the other day, who she's been, she's in her, her, her uh, late 60s, early 70s, near retirement age, and, 
and she's from Malaysia. And she told me that she got saved because a missionary came to her village. Do you know there's people overseas right now who because of your giving, we have churches in underground China, churches. We have missionaries in the Muslim world. There's souls that are being saved because you gave. You may never go to Chile in South America, but whenever our missionary goes, you go with him. And his fruit is your harvest. Do you understand the global work that God does through generosity? Like when you get to heaven, there will be people that you have never met and they will look at you and they say, thank you. I'm here because of you. Like I think about the church I got saved in. Dirty punk rock, 20 year old, strung out on drugs, hopeless. And somebody invited me to church. And I walked through those doors and I gave my life to Jesus and I did so because somebody gave to make it happen. The only reason you're here today is because somebody gave. And ultimately, nobody gave like Jesus gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus says this, No one takes my life from me. I lay it down freely. You know why? Because he gives it. Salvation is a gift. Faith is a gift. Grace is a gift. Joy is a gift. And if you want to grow, you got to give. Because God wants to multiply that harvest of righteousness in all of our lives. And God cannot multiply when it's in your hands. He can only multiply when you open it up and you place it in his. See, some people think, but pastor, if I, if I give, then I won't have anything left. I just want you to know that's worldly thinking. That's not the way the kingdom of God operates because you never have less when you give because God always gives more. You won't have less when you give, you'll be blessed because you give. And when you give, you open up the opportunity for God's blessings upon your life. And so for those of us who have come to make a commitment or maybe you've still been praying through that commitment, I wanna encourage you with the words from the apostle Paul where he says this, this is an inexpressible gift. God in his goodness and his grace and his mercy, he has led us to this moment as a church and he is calling us to take that next step. But it only happens if we all go in together. And so at a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to make your commitment. But here's what I want you to know is the season of multiply is just beginning. The series is over, but the season is just beginning. Don't let this just be another series, but let this be a season that marks you, transforms us, and brings the gospel to many others. 
this is just a series, but my friends, the Multiply season is just beginning.